This is not uh, the title of the message, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I know we know that, but sometimes it's good to think about it again and reflect on it. And don't forget that this is not all that is offered to us here in this world right here. We have eternity with Jesus waiting on us. And he is faithful, like they were singing. All my life he's been faithful. Even in death, he is faithful to us as believers that we will see him in paradise. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Continue to remember Connie Lister and Glenn. I know they're talking with the doctors today, so remember them in prayer. If you open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus 33 this morning. We must have his presence. Without God's presence, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter what we're doing here this morning. If his presence is not here, it does not matter. But when he is present, nothing else matters. <laughs> to get lost in his presence and to get to that place where nothing else around you matters, but his presence is a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Again, we must have his Presence. Exodus 33, we're going to be in verses 1 through 17. I know it's quite a bit, but please follow along. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses, go up from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. For the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I went up with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewelry and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites remained stripped of their jewelry from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp at a distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak to Mo with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I in, have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And he replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? 
I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here. God, thank you for waking us up and bringing us together in worship today to encourage each other in love, to, to pray for each other this morning. God, I thank you for this beautiful house that you've given us to worship you in. I thank you for unity that we have in your church, that it's all about you, God. It's not about the trivial things. It is all about you and us growing that relationship with you. And Father, as I preach this morning, your word, let it be clear. Let it come with understanding. Let it come with power. Let it come with conviction, God. We know it's alive and active, God. We just praise you and we thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing as we're reading this this morning that I want to talk about is there are consequences for sin. Exodus 32, if you back up a chapter, was a great failure by the people of Israel. And it was, it was deliberate sin. The sin of a, of a golden calf that they were worshiping. And with every sin, there are consequences. And the greatest consequence of sin for all of us, for them as well, is separation from God. That is awful to think about. As I, if, if we choose sin, we are separating ourselves from God. When we receive and accept salvation, sometimes we still have to pay the earthly price of our sin. For example, someone who receives salvation while in jail still serves their prison term, right? The most important benefit of receiving forgiveness is restoring that relationship between us and God. Do I still mess up? Yes. Do you still mess up? Yes. yes. But we can go to God and ask for forgiveness and restore that relationship between us. Sin separates. Salvation restores. Repenting and asking forgiveness from God restores that relationship back to where it needs to be. The greatest consequence for Israel was not the plague or the, or, and, and death and things like that, but it was the separation from God and his presence with them. And this, this passage this morning shows God was done with them. I'm done with you guys. He'd been cheated on. His ways had been violated. And how quickly they had forgot what he had done in their lives. Are we guilty of that as well? How quickly we forget what God has done in our lives. How he's performed miracles. How he's delivered. How he's given us protection. And what did Israel give back to God in the middle of this? Idolatry and adultery. So at this point, God tells Moses, I'm done. God said, I'm not going to go up. I'm not going to go up to this promised land with these stiff-necked people. I'm not going. And essentially, God is saying, get out of my presence. And they hear this bad news. This announcement made its way back to the people. You know, although God and Moses were, they're speaking, Moses hasn't gone back up the mountain. It actually appears that, that Moses and God are having this open conversation that people can hear. Because when they heard it, they mourned and they took off their jewelry. 
Mourning expressed their sorrow for their sin. They were sorry. True mourning and repentance must impact both both our hearts and our minds as people of God. We must not only know that we have sinned, but we have to feel that we have sinned. And, And true repentance impacts every single part of us. When we repent, it changes everything about us. It's much more than just speaking, it changes us. And that's because sin and salvation impact every single part of us. They're not just simple mind trainings that we do. It also affects our bodies and our souls, your mind, will, and emotion, and impacts that as well. And at the end of it all, God resurrects not merely our minds, but also our bodies. Therefore, repentance and salvation should not only be with our mind and our words, but also our bodies and our emotions. Jesus came to save every single part of us. Because sin condemns every single part of us. And it was important that Israel not only say they had sin, but they also need to feel the weight of their sin. And then they demonstrated their repentance. And how did they do that? By removing the jewelry. It was that same jewelry that had made the calf that they were worshiping. And where did it come from? It came from Egypt, where they had come out of. Jewelry represented self-adornment and social status. And the removal of this jewelry reminded Israel of their sinfulness and of their sinful status that they were in right then. So they went from having it all together. At this moment, they recognized what they had done And how they were now falling apart. They were far from perfect, far from holy. And this morning, as we look at this and and what jewelry represents to them and the sin that they have and how they were worshiping that golden calf, some of us in here this morning could be in that same position that we are still carrying around some of that jewelry from our sinful seasons of life. And we're still walking around and clinging to some of those things. But after God deals with your heart, what used to be acceptable may no longer be acceptable for your life. Does that make sense? When God deals with your heart and he penetrates your heart and he starts to change you, things that were acceptable before may no longer be acceptable. And you have to be willing to let those things go. Israel wore their Egyptian jewelry through a Passover, through the Red Sea parting, through the flowing of water, through the rocks. But there came a point where they weren't permitted to wear it anymore. Because it was necessary in order to keep God's presence with them. And that's where we go in the next part of this passage here. God's presence is what separated Israel from other tribes. God's presence in our lives, in our church, is what separates us from the world. Verse 3, God said he will not go with them because they are rebellious. And here's why that's such a big deal. No ark, no mercy seat, no holy of holies. If he did not go with them. There was nothing special about Israel. There's nothing special about you, me, Orchardville Church, unless we have the presence of God. What made Israel special was their relationship with God. And it was the promises, the covenants, the presence of God that made them special. And without God's presence, they were just like any other tribe in the Middle East. God's presence and his favor was the difference maker for them. That's true for us too. God's presence, God's favor in our life makes the difference. 
That's true for our country. Believe it or not. It's true for our church. Without the presence of God, we don't have a reason to exist. And top priority for Moses was God's presence. How many of us in here can say that this morning? My top priority is God's presence in my life. That's what Moses was saying here. My, my, my top priority is your presence, God. He was so desperate for God's presence that he refused to move or go on without him. Sometimes we make decisions in life, we do things without God's presence or anointing on it. And a lot of times we find out it fails. It fails. And after God seems to relent here in this passage, God says he won't go with them. They could have the promised land, they could have the victories, but they couldn't have God's presence. And Moses knew that without God's presence, they were going to be nothing. When we've tasted of the goodness of the Lord, nothing else in this world will satisfy us. How many can say amen to that? I've tasted the goodness of the Lord, and I know from my past, I know from my history, nothing measures up to God's presence. Nothing else can fulfill my life like God's presence. God's presence makes people give up addiction of, of 20, 30, 10, 50 years. God's presence changes people. Moses had been in God's presence. He met God at the burning bush, then stood in his presence at the base of the mountain. He had just spent 40 days with God up on the mountain. He knew what it meant to be in the Lord's presence and he wouldn't trade it for anything. He wasn't going to give that up. It was so important, the presence of God was so important that Moses built a temporary tent called the tent of meeting. It was before the tabernacle was built and constructed, Moses still wanted to meet with God. The presence of God was so important to him that he would do whatever it would take to make sure that God's presence remained with Israel. Do we do whatever it takes to make sure we get into God's presence? I knew that might be quiet. Or do we stay up too late on a Saturday so we have the excuse that we're too tired to be in God's presence on Sunday? Do we make God's presence a priority in our lives or do we let other things keep us from him? And I know some people argue with me about, you can't say things like we, on Sundays we let other, I'm, I'm all about vacations and things like that. But anything outside of sickness, I wasn't even sure where I was going with this. Sickness, death, vacations, those are, those are good, those are good things. Not sickness and death, but vacations with your family are good things. Just realized I said that was a good thing. Those are reasons that you can see to not be in the house of the Lord. But everything else, you are putting before God's presence. And you say, well, I don't have to be in the church to worship the Lord. Well, then I would like for you just one time for me. If you skip out on church because you want to go shopping or you want to do this or that or you want to take your kids to a travel sports game, I want you to show me video of you guys getting in God's presence wherever you are with whatever you're doing. Then I'll believe that a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Show me you're having 
a gathering together with other believers and encouraging each other and praying for each other. Okay? I don't know why I threw that out there. Again, making God's presence a priority in our lives and not letting other things keep us from him. So to Moses, reaching the promised land without God's presence was unacceptable. Nope, I don't want it. Okay, winning over our enemies but without God's presence, not enough. Having good music or a nice sermon on a Sunday morning, not enough without God's presence. Having a beautiful family, successful career is no substitute for God's presence. Having a job where you're really successful and you make all kinds of money is no substitute for God's presence. No people, no matter how religious they are or for whatever reasons, can be a people of God without the presence of God. It just doesn't work. So how do we apply this for our lives? First of all, if it costs you God's presence, the price is too much. It's too much. You know, a lot of times we discuss what we can or cannot do as Christians and still go to heaven. The reality, is, the reality of that is, if it costs me the presence of God, then I shouldn't do it. Just like that. Because we are all in different levels of maturity. There may be a difference between me and you. Right? In our walks with the Lord. We call these things convictions. What may convict me in my walk with the Lord may not convict you. Right? There are certain things that if I, I'm talking about me, okay? Don't get mad, don't point fingers, don't throw pencils or pins at me. I'm talking about me. If I did some things, the Holy Spirit in me would check me. My convictions, okay? So don't think I'm judging you. We all work out our own salvation. I don't drink at all. I don't drink alcohol at all. I don't do drugs. I don't cuss. I don't skip out on church. I don't cheat on my wife. Because I have strong convictions that these are not things for me. TV shows or movies or music that when I watch them or I listen to it, I'm aware that I'm not pleasing God. That's me. I'm not saying it's the same for you. My personal convictions. And some of you say, well, you're the pastor. You have to be that way. Nope, I had these same convictions before I was a pastor. As you grow, I capitalize grow in my notes. It's important to grow in the Lord, if you're in the same place that you were 10 years ago, something's wrong. You're not being discipled, you're not growing in the things of God, you're being content. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, there will be things, there will be people, there will be places that are no longer good for you. You have to recognize those things. You might have been okay earlier on wearing that Egyptian jewelry, but there reaches a point when the Spirit says, Stop! Stop! I've got more for you. Grow with me. We call this, again, maturing. You should be growing in the things of God and His Word. Just as certain elements are acceptable for babies, for kids, for teens, there reaches a point where we've got to put away the childish things. When the Spirit asks you to give something up, you've got a choice. You've got a choice in that moment. 
to tell the Holy Spirit no results in a diminished awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. So if you say no long enough, no, Holy Spirit, I'm not giving that up. No, 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 I'm not doing that. No, 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 I'm not going to talk to that person. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you in this. You could end up like Samson and not even realize the presence of God has left you. God's presence, again, is the difference maker. And here's, here's really some harsh reality for some people in the house today, some people maybe watching online. If we thought we could be successful, happy, and healthy without Jesus, some of us would try it. What we don't realize is, until it's too late, is that the only thing that matters is the presence of God. If God's not happy, it doesn't matter if I'm happy or not. If God doesn't approve, it doesn't matter how many followers I have or how much money I have in the bank. Moses didn't want wins or victories or lands or anything else if that meant he missed out on the presence of God. He said, no, I don't want it. God, if you're not going with us, if your presence is not with us, I don't want it. The rich young ruler wouldn't give up his money in exchange for the opportunity to follow Jesus. I can't give it up. But the other disciples traded careers, they traded opportunities, they traded their livelihoods for that very same thing. They wanted to follow him. They wanted to be in the presence of God. And Jesus doesn't always ask us to walk away from those things, but he does invite us to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then all of these things are given to us. America, the church, we've got to realize that the only thing that makes us special is the presence of God. When you remove God's favor, you are going to be left with emptiness in your life. If we want to make this country great again, then we need to seek the presence of God in our lives. It ain't about a president. It does not matter what president is in there. We need the presence of God in our lives to make this place great. Invite God's presence into our homes, into our workplaces. Again, seek first the kingdom of God. And we've got to move past being easily satisfied. I said something about earlier, about 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, Carlin hit on it. When sometimes we come into the house of the Lord as habit. Just what we're supposed to do on Sunday. Don't get satisfied. I promise you God has an abundance of new things and new seasons for your life in this church. Don't be satisfied. We're so easily satisfied in life these days. And this has actually spilled over into our spiritual lives. We're content to live without God's presence. We will, if if we get to that point where I'm content to not seek your presence anymore, we're going to stop seeking it. So we've got to make plans to meet God. Before Moses went back up the mountain and before the tabernacle was finished, Moses prepared a place to meet God. The tent of meeting was where people like uh, Moses and Joshua could go to meet with God. He, He wanted to meet with God every time it was possible. And he wanted others to do, to do this as well. 
So I ask you this morning, are you making plans to meet with God? Not just someday when you die, but are you making plans to meet with Jesus today? Did you come in here with a plan that I'm going to meet with the Lord today? Not just I'm going to see some friendly people that are my church family. I want to meet. Above all else, I want God's presence. I want to meet with God today. Did you make plans to meet with him during this service? Maybe this evening at bedtime. Do you have plans to meet with God this week? And then I ask, where is it? Is it in your house? Is it in your prayer closet? Is it a walk in the park? Is it, what is it? And when? Is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be at night? Is it going to be on my lunch break? Do you have those times set aside to meet with God and be in his presence? And I'm going to tell you this morning, and this is some honesty and truth and in your face, we schedule what is important to us. If, if we were to pull out our phones or our calendars, whatever we have, and we looked at a daily schedule, it would tell me what's important in my life. I don't want to miss this meeting this day. This day I got to talk to this person. This is this. But if I looked at it, where is God on that calendar? Where is he? Because we schedule what's important to us. We make time for what's important to us. What doesn't get scheduled doesn't get done. Make plans to meet with God. Make plans to be in his presence. And not just on Sunday mornings, every single day we need God's presence. You guys know that. This is a difficult world we live in. Every single day we've got to be in God's presence. If our praise team would come back up. This morning, I've made plans to meet Jesus here. I've made plans. And you know what? Those plans that I made this morning involved you. It involves the people watching online. I planned on you meeting Jesus here today too. In fact, I already prayed this morning that many of you would meet Jesus in the altar this morning and experience the presence of God. I prayed for you to meet Jesus here and be in this altar and be in the presence of God. So you guys will stand this morning. After I pray here in just a minute, I'm going to ask everyone to come and be in God's presence. Don't be content. Like I said, when we open service, the presence of God demands a response. And if we truly honor him, if we truly honor his presence, we're going to respond to his presence. We won't just ignore that God's in the house today. This altar call is for those who are wanting more of Jesus. They want more of God's presence. It's for those who have been carrying around. Maybe these false altars and golden calves and you're ready to throw some things away this morning. You know who you are. You know what you're still dealing with. There's some things that you may need to throw down today and be rid of. This is for those who are desiring a supernatural shifting in your priorities for your life. It's for those that don't know Jesus as their Savior this morning to come and know Him today. Don't leave the same. 
It's for those that need healing in their bodies to come. For those that have been running from God that need to come home. This is for you. A chance to meet with Jesus and be in God's presence this morning. So I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to pray that we flood these altars and we get in God's presence. Whatever you need today, he's here. Let's pray. Father, I praise you and I thank you, God, for your word. Lord, I thank you for your presence. That is the difference in our lives, in our church, in our country. God, we need your presence. So God, as we open up these altars this morning, Lord, I pray for a hunger inside of us. Father, to repent if we need to turn away from some things this morning. We need forgiveness in some of the things going on in our lives right now. Father, if it's just simply I want to be in God's presence, I want more of the Lord in my life, God. I pray they come, that people respond this morning. Father, if there's somebody here that does not know you, they don't know your son who offers salvation, you offer salvation to us through what Jesus did on the cross for us. There is forgiveness for those people, Father, that think they're too, too far gone, they've do, done too many bad things. There is forgiveness for them this morning that you welcome them with open arms and you want to give them a clean slate this morning. Father, you wanna change the direction of their life today, God, for those that have run from you. Father, they knew you at one time, but they just run, God, and they're not in your presence. They know it, Father. They don't feel your presence anymore, God. They don't know your presence. Lord, I pray they come home today. Father, those needing healing, that they just come to you, Father, come to you. You are the healer and the Holy Spirit power is in this house for people this morning. So Father, we open up these altars for a time to be in your presence. And Lord, I know as they come in obedience that you are gonna meet them. You are gonna meet them, God, and you are gonna show up in this place in a powerful way. Let no heart leave here unchanged, God. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come this morning?